Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. So the Bible reading is taken from Mark chapter 15. So Mark chapter 15 and verses 21 to 39. A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country and they forced him to carry, carry the cross. They brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. Then they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him. Dividing up his clothes, they cast lots to see what each would get. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and another on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, So, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves. He saved others, they said. But he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lema shabachthani which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion, who stood there in front of Jesus, saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. So we, we continue in our series, the, the, the big story of the Bible, uh, finding our place in God's story. You see, the Bible tells one big unified story that finds its climax in Jesus. Uh, and so it's the, the story about God and it's the true story of the world. And we invite you to find your place within the story. And so we're still in Act 4, the king comes, the story of Jesus, the king comes. And today we're still in scene 7, the death of Jesus. Now the death of Jesus is the real focus and the climax of the story of Jesus. And in Mark chapter 15 and verse 34, Jesus shouts out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's within these words that we, we, we find a profound sense 
of abandonment that Jesus experienced. He experienced God forsakenness. He was rejected by his father. This was far more painful than, than, than the physical pain of crucifixion. This was far more painful than the emotional pain of being betrayed, disowned and abandoned by his friends. This hurt far more, this God forsakenness. And it's this God forsakenness that separates Jesus' death from all other deaths. It's this God forsakenness that makes Jesus' death so unique. Now, of course, Jesus did experience great physical pain on the cross. He was flogged, whipped so severely that he wasn't even able to carry his own cross. And then he was stripped naked uh, and they gambled for his clothes. Uh, just like they gambled for the clothes of the innocent sufferer in Psalm 22. And unlike all the, the, the modest pictures of Jesus hanging on the cross, Jesus was crucified naked. They, they used to crucify people naked to increase their humiliation and shame. And then they nailed Jesus to the cross between two rebels, two terrorists. And so Jesus was numbered amongst the rebels, just like the suffering servant of Isaiah 53. And then they left him there, hanging, to slowly die from dehydration and suffocation as the weight of his body made it harder and harder and more and more difficult to breathe. Jesus experienced great physical pain. But more than that, Jesus experienced great spiritual pain. In verse 33, we read at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. They, they crucified Jesus at nine o'clock. And then at 12 o'clock, darkness came over the whole land until three o'clock. Now, darkness in the middle of the day was a clear sign to them that something of cosmic significance was about to happen. That everything was being concentrated on this one moment, in this one place, and on this one person, and it had cosmic significance. And it was a clear sign, this darkness was a clear sign uh, and symbol of evil itself. All evil was gathering together and it was doing its worst to Jesus. All evil came upon Jesus. And this darkness was also a sign of judgment. Jesus was taking on the sin of the world. He was taking on the, the inevitable consequences of, of the evil in our heart. And so Jesus experiences more than just physical suffering and emotional suffering. He experiences spiritual suffering. It was as if Jesus walked into the eye of the storm and came face to face with evil itself. And evil does its worst to Jesus. And Jesus takes on the sin of the whole world. And he experiences the weight and the consequences of all sin. And for the first time in all eternity, Jesus experiences what it's like to be rejected by his father. And nothing could prepare him for this. 
for all eternity he has enjoyed this this close and intimate loving relationship with his other father but now he experiences the horror of god forsakenness far greater than the nails in his hands was the the, the pain in his heart now, death by crucifixion is one of the most painful ways to die, but far greater than the physical pain and far greater than the emotional pain of being deserted and disowned and betrayed by your friends was the spiritual suffering, the spiritual pain that Jesus experienced on the cross. And so he cries out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, Jesus doesn't die like a stoic or composed and in control. Jesus isn't hanging on the cross with this cheesy Christian grin on his face. No. Jesus experiences a deep and profound pain in his heart. And what we discover over here is that God himself experiences what it's like to be totally abandoned by God. In a very mysterious way, God himself experiences God-forsakenness. But why? Why would God do this? Well, why would God endure this? Well, we find the answer, ironically, uh, when the chief priests mockingly say in, in Mark chapter 15 and verses 31 to 32, they say he saved others, but he can't save himself. Let this Messiah, this King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. You see, they were wanting a, a conquering Messiah. What they were wanting Jesus to do was to shatter the cross into these trillion tiny slow motion pieces and then land on the ground in a superhero three-posed crouch. And as he stands up, everyone suddenly notices that his body is, is miraculously healed. And next they hear the, the clanging of metal on the ground as they notice that all the Roman soldiers have dropped their swords and spears and are running for their lives. That's the Messiah they wanted. That's the Messiah they could believe in. And you know what? Jesus could have done that. Jesus, or Jesus could have called a thousand angels to come to his aid. He, he could have done that. But the amazing thing is he doesn't do it. Look, if I was on that cross and if I was able to call a, a thousand angels to come to my aid, when those chief priests start mocking me, I'll be, okay, that's enough. Angels, get them. But the amazing thing is, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus stays on the cross. You see, he was saving others precisely by not saving himself. He was saving others by staying on that cross. He was experiencing God-forsakenness so that we don't have to experience it. 
He was experiencing God forsakenness for us, for me and for you. You see, Jesus says in Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, that he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. But why? Why does God do this for us? Well, in order to answer this question, we need to have some kind of understanding of the big story of the Bible. You see, throughout the whole story, throughout the whole Bible, starting right at the beginning, we see that humans constantly are grasping for the fruit of autonomy. Just, just like Adam and Eve, we, we constantly grasp for power. We want to define good and evil on our own terms. There's evil in our heart. We are selfish and self-centered and greedy. The heart of the problem is the problem of the human heart. It's like a disease. It's like a virus, a virus in our heart. Now, very interestingly, Pilate, before he hands Jesus over to be condemned, to be crucified, he, he washes his hands. And we read in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 24, when Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but instead an uproar was starting, he took water, washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. Now, it's great to see that Pilate is really taking the government guidelines very seriously and he's washing his hands. I mean, it's a great way to stop the spread of germs, to stop the spread of viruses, to stop coronavirus. So it's really good he's taking the government guidelines really seriously. But the problem is, is, is it doesn't matter how many times he washes his hands. He can't wash away his guilt. He is not innocent. You see, we can wash away germs, we can wash away viruses, we can wash away COVID-19, but we cannot wash away our guilt. We cannot wash away the virus in our heart. But on the cross, Jesus absorbs the virus. Jesus absorbs that virus in our heart, that, that evil in our heart. Jesus absorbs the virus into himself. And that virus does its worst to Jesus. But on the cross, Jesus defeats the virus. Spoiler alert, three days later, Jesus rises from the dead. He conquers the virus. And now Jesus embodies the antidote. He is the antidote. And it's through faith in Jesus that we find the cure to the virus, that we find forgiveness and healing, that we find life, eternal life. That's why in Mark chapter 15 and verse 38, it says, as soon as Jesus dies, it says, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The, the curtain being torn in two from top to bottom was a clear sign that the new age had dawned. The spirit, the, the very presence of God had left the temple. 
The temple is now redundant. For Jesus is now the new temple. You see, Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. That makes the old temple totally redundant. People used to go to the temple to make sacrifices so they could be forgiven, so that they could go into the the presence of God. But now a whole new age has dawned. We don't go to a place, we go to a person. We don't go to the temple, we go to Jesus, for Jesus is the antidote. And it's through faith in Jesus that we find the cure to the virus, that we find forgiveness and healing, that we find life, eternal life. And the curtain being torn in two from top to bottom was also a sign that this is not limited to any geographical area. It's not limited to any people group. It's not limited to a a particular nationality or a particular race. No, it's open to all who put their faith in Jesus. You see, God could just destroy all evil. He, He could just destroy all evil. But the problem with that is that there's evil in my heart. If God simply destroyed all evil, he would have to destroy me. The only way that God can deal with evil and still have a relationship with me, someone who's got evil in their heart, is if God absorbs that evil, that that, that virus in my heart, into himself. And if he experiences the full weight and consequences of that evil, God forsakenness, and that he deals with it. And that's exactly what God did on the cross. And he did it for us. He did it for me. And he did it for you. You know what the cross tells me? The cross tells me that God must really, really love me to have done that, to have endured that for me. You see, all through the story of the Bible, right from the beginning, we constantly see how, we constantly see evil and suffering within the world that is caused by humans. Humans are constantly the cause of all evil and suffering. And we're constantly told that this breaks the heart of God, that God is grieved by all the suffering and the mess that is caused by humans. And so we're left wondering, is it worth it? Is the human project worth it? And and God must be wondering, is it worth it? Is the human project worth it, worth all this evil and suffering, all this pain and all this heartache? And God's answer is the cross. And God says it is worth it. It is worth dying for. You are worth it. You are worth dying for. And so let's stand at the foot of the cross like that Roman centurion and look up at Jesus and say, surely this man was the Son of God. 
Let, let, let's stand at the foot of the cross and look up and consider once again what Jesus did for us, what he endured for us, what he endured for me, and what he endured for you. This is the Savior's love. And this is the big story of the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we stand in awe and wonder at the foot of the cross. That you were prepared to do that for me. That you were prepared to experience God forsakenness for me. So that I could be healed and forgiven. That I could experience life, eternal life. We just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you loved us so much that you were prepared to die for us. We thank you that there's nothing we can do to make you love us more. There's nothing we can do to make us to make you love us less because you already love us so fully and so much that you died for us. Father, help us to receive that love afresh this morning. To receive your love. Your forgiveness. Your healing. Your peace. And your life. We ask this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about Abergavenny Baptist Church, please visit our website at abergavennybaptist.co.uk.